Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. It must be Sunday evening. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're talking about the Word of God. This is session number six. And we're going to be talking about the Word of God representing life. We're going to be talking about the Word of God, the words of Jesus bringing life, giving life, representing life to you. Don't forget, the people in the world are dead. It's not that they're bad. They're dead. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he gives us life. He gives us life through his word. The word of God is life. The word of God is alive and sharper and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. The word of God, hallelujah, separates the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Very important. Got a new clock here. I'm checking it out. I think I follow it. Looks pretty basic. Thank you, Jesus. So talking about the word of God, Ephesians 5.26. This is something that the Word of God does, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, who? The church, with the washing of water by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Further evidence of the power of the life-bringing Word of God is that it cleanses us. It gets us clean. Remember, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ is to be holy. We're supposed to be set apart for his purposes. That's what sanctify means. And the word of God cleanses it with the washing water of the word. So we are cleansed continually with the washing of water by the word. Only if we are in the word continuously, right? It's like when growing up, you know, I never went a week without a bath. Heaven forbid mom wouldn't feed me. Well, it's the same way with Christians. We need to wash ourselves in the washing water of the Word. It has an inherent ability to cleanse us, to remove the stain of sin from our lives. Remember, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we get dirty hanging out in Satan's kingdom. That's where we live. That's where God's placed us. What a coincidence, right, that we just happen to be placed on the sphere where Satan habits. That's amazing. I always thought that through. Lord, why did you stick us on the kingdom, on the place in the universe where Satan's hanging out? I'm sure I can figure it out if I thought about it. We need to be tested. We're being groomed for heavenly living. And one of the challenges we must overcome is the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. So the more we invest God's word in our lives, the more that we can do for him. And I've got a scripture. I want to point that out to you. It's in Mark one twenty four, And let me say this, you know, we're teaching on the Word of God because it's the most important entity in creation, the Word of God. 
He exalts the word of God above his name. That's high cotton, folks. And so as I'm going along, I'm going to talk about scriptures all the time. The scriptures are the word of God. Sometimes I'm going to talk about the scripture and I will break down, dissect the scripture, but not always. Sometimes I'll just bring it into our conversation and I will take out maybe one point. I want to make one point out of it that the scripture addresses. Other times I'll go line by line, precept upon precept. Other times I may just mention it and we may come back to it. You know, some of these scriptures you can use one, two, three different places. And yet I don't want to abuse the word of God. I want to keep it. I want to get it where it was written and hopefully leave it there. You know, I don't want the word of God traveling all throughout the Bible to support Ron's doctrines like a lot of preachers do. I want the word of God left where it is. I want to keep it in context. But the word of God is all things to all men, and it can be used so many different places. And so today, I'm going to use this word here in Mark one twenty four to support the power of the word of God, the identity of the word of God. Mark one twenty four. these are demons. Jesus shows up on the scene, and the demons are saying, leave us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? So the demons know who Jesus was. But this next part is important. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So they recognized Jesus because they knew Jesus. But they also identified him by his holiness. Here we see Jesus casting out devils. And it's important to notice how the devils knew who Jesus was. They didn't identify him as the loving one of God. They didn't note that he was the merciful one of God or even the all-powerful one of God. They knew him because he was the holy one of God. That's how they chose to identify him because God wanted us to see that's how they recognize him by his holiness. You know, Satan can counterfeit pretty much anything in the world today, pretty much anything. He can counterfeit many things. He's going to counterfeit the miracles that God does in the tribulation, great signs and deceiving wonders. You know, he can counterfeit healing. He can counterfeit prosperity. You know, he can make sure that you prosper to get you out of the word of God. So there's all these counterfeits that he can give you. But there's one thing in the kingdom of God, Satan cannot counterfeit, and that is holiness. He can't do it. And so there's a reason God's spirit put this verse here. Using that language in scripture, he wants us to see something. Okay. I want to suggest to you that because they recognize Jesus as the holy one, That's how you will be identified to your enemies also in the realm of the Spirit. They knew Jesus because he was the Holy One of God. In your encounters with spiritual darkness, in your encounters with demons or spirits, and don't think you won't have them, there's a reason that God's Spirit put that verse there using the language which he chose to use. It's there for us in our spiritual encounters with the enemy. The clothing of the saints is what? We are clothed in righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Here, Isaiah tells us that we are clothed. We are robed in righteousness. That is the daily clothing of the saints. But the uniform of God's warriors will always be holiness. These demons recognize Christ 
by the truth that he was holy, saying, Let us alone, what are we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's how we too should be known, saints, by our holy living, by our commitment to sanctification. These demons not only recognized Jesus as coming from and belonging to God, but they also feared for their lives, knowing Christ had the power to destroy them. If the church is to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, we will have to allow that Holy Spirit of God to cleanse us, right, by his word, and to separate us from the world, sanctification. Remember, we are asking the Lord to answer Paul's prayer from last week, right, that he would give us spiritual understanding. We want to know the knowledge of his will, and we want to understand the things of the Spirit, not in our own carnal minds, but spirit to spirit, deep calleth unto deep. I want to know what's going on in the kingdom of heaven by the Spirit. We can only do that through his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, that brings life to God's children. Christ has changed us. He defeated death, and he defeated hell, and he defeated the grave on the cross, and he gave us life where death once reigned. John six sixty three. it is the Spirit that quickeneth, or that brings life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You got that? When you're reading the word of God and Jesus is speaking to you, you are reading words of life. They are spirit and they are life. The Good News Translation. What gives life is God's spirit. You can't get life anywhere else. You know, Kroger's doesn't sell life. You know, Academy, they got good stuff. They don't have life. Most of your churches are supposed to be offering you life from the Word of God, but if they're not teaching the Bible, if they're not encouraging you to read the Bible, then guess what? You're not getting filled with God's life. Good News Translation, what gives life is God's Spirit. Human power is of no use at all. The words that I have spoken to you bring God's life-giving Spirit. You must be preaching the Word of God from the pulpit. I'm just going to stop right there about that. Here Jesus tells us plainly, it is the Holy Spirit who gives us life. He alone gives life to mankind. Peter confirms that in John sixteen sixty eight. Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are spirit bred, right? We are supposed to be spirit fed, right? That will result in us being spirit led. That's absolutely true. Somewhere along the line, that process has been broken. Spirit-bred, spirit-fed, spirit-led. It's plain to see very few Christians are spirit-led. We get born again, the Spirit gives us life, hallelujah. But if we start attending a wrong church, or we join one of man's churches rather than God's church, or worse yet, we join one of Satan's religious groups, we run the risk of dying on the vine of Christ's love. Let's read that verse again. The flesh profits little. John six sixty three. It is a spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Whoa, I had that wrong. The, the flesh does not profit little. That's wrong. The flesh profits nothing. Or basically human power is of no use at all. That's what he's trying to say. And unfortunately, most churches, they've left God out of their service, out of their preaching. They have replaced the Holy Spirit of God with some type of self-empowerment class with some motivational teaching. The flesh is running our churches. The Holy Spirit isn't there. And if the Holy Spirit isn't there, guess what's not there? Life. Unfortunately, now we've been all too comfortable in churches where man rules and not God, where flesh replaces the spirit and man replaces God. 
it should be quite obvious that most churches are carnal. And by extension, most Christians attending churches are carnal. There is a huge disconnect between spirit-bred and spirit-led. And the culprit is the fact that we are not spirit-fed. This is probably my mantra for 30 years. You must read your Bible every day, every day. I was looking at a survey by the Barna Group. He's a Christian pollster, and he takes out, he makes hundreds of phone calls every day to churches and to Christians and just trying to check the pulse of Christianity in America. And, you know, he asked this question, how often do you read the Bible? And it'll start with a couple of times a week. And then it goes to once a week. And then it'll go to a couple times a month. And then it'll go to once a month. And then it will go to never. It offends me that they started out a couple of times a week. Well, how often did you feed your flesh this week? Oh, well, if we're supposed to have three meals a day, maybe two. Exercise people say you should eat six times a day, right? You know, those numbers are dozens and dozens. And yet here we are not even thinking to ask if you read your Bible every day. When we start our Bible studies all the time, I say, okay, guys, how many of you read your Bible today? And they're sheepish, and you'll, oh, I'm going to, and everything like that. I know we intimidate them, but you've got to read your Bible every day. We are spiritually malnourished. We are not eating properly. You don't feed your carnal man the way you feed your spirit man. Your spirit man eats the Word of God. Spirit, spirit food for the spirit man. Hallelujah. So like I said, somewhere along the line, it's plain to see very few Christians are spirit-led. We are born again. The Spirit gives us life. But if we start attending wrong churches, if we start joining religious groups instead of the Church of the Living God, we have no power because human power is of no use at all. So the disconnect is that we're not reading our Bible. Self-check. What is the purpose of the church? We come together, why? To worship God. I remember Al Gore said that like a decade or two ago. He goes, the reason we're here on the earth is to worship God. I go, wow, Al Gore knows that? You know, it shocked me because he's a big humanist. He's hugging the trees and cleaning the ocean and saving the turtle, kill the babies. You know that route. And so I was surprised. But yes, we are here to worship the Lord. And the purpose of church is to come together to worship the Lord and to train the saints for ministry. Most churches have programs that are carnal. They fill the fleshly needs of the saints. They have financial classes. They have classes that train us to eat properly. They have classes that train us to exercise properly. They attack spiritual problems with carnal solutions. What do you mean, Ron? Well, for marriage, they've got divorce care. Well, a little bit too late, don't you think? You know, when I was at the big church I went to, Lakewood, we had our class, which was uh, marriage maintenance. We would tell people, we don't fix broken marriages, we build healthy marriages. And we would save marriages by the dozens. And right next door to us, they had divorce care. And so I would go in there, and there were people in there that were still, I go, are you divorced? They go, no. Well, what are you doing in here? Well, we were talking about getting divorced. You need to be next door. Let me help you fix your marriage. Let me help you build the foundation for your marriage, set everything can start over and you can save that marriage. What are you doing in divorce care? They called me on the carpet and they yelled at me for going into divorce care and bringing people that weren't in divorce out of that class and to work on their marriages. Everything is screwy. We don't go to divorce care, but I'm not divorced yet. Why are we planning to fail? Let's get things going. You quit already? We don't know how to fight. We're not teaching our people spiritual truths in our churches. 
They have financial classes. They have classes to exercise, classes to eat right, uh, divorce care, celebrate recovery, outreach programs. They all sound good, but that's not the purpose of the church. Ron, isn't it biblical to grow the church? No, it's not biblical to grow the church. It's biblical to grow the saints. It's divine to grow the church. That's on God. God said he would give the increase. God said he would grow the church. We are called in church to grow the saints. We have more dead people in Christian churches than live people because we aren't allowing God's word to do what it's supposed to do. What's that? The words that I speak unto you, says Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. God's spirit brings us life at the new birth and God's word will continue to feed that life afterwards. Remember, salvation is a gift. It's free. You don't have to do nothing. Well, that's not quite right. The Bible says it's a free gift. I get it. So therefore, it must be a free gift if the Bible says it's a free gift. And yet, it requires something. You have to what? You have to give your life. It requires you give your life and Christ will give you his life. That's the trade-off at salvation. You give him something dead, sinful, old, and corrupt. He gives you something brand spanking new that will live forever. Hallelujah. Now, I guess you could say that's free, but most of us that haven't had it explained to us like that, and we think, well, as a Christian, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I can't do this, and everything like that. That's not what the gospel teaches. We need to tell them the truth. You're dead. You need life. You got born again the first time in a dead body. Now it's time to get born again in a second time in a live spirit. That's the gospel. We need to present the truth to them and not be scared of letting them know. Remember, Jesus, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I get it. I know this is Satan's playground. He's the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. It's no accident that we are here. That's what I was talking with Karen about before. Second Corinthians 4, four. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Believe what not? Believe the gospel not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Back to the lost people. Notice, it is the gospel that carries that light, which is able to penetrate Satan's darkness, which has the world walking around in utter spiritual darkness. It's why false preachers who won't talk about the kingdom of darkness and the sin associated with it, the sin that has killed God's children by creation, that's why it's so dangerous to have these false teachers up there. When man substitutes his natural darkness for God's supernatural light by changing the gospel, it has devastating eternal consequences. Pastor saying, well, I'm not going to talk about sin. Man knows he's a sinner. He doesn't need to be pounded by it. Oh, yes, he does. And no, he doesn't. Man thinks that the guy who's murdering children, that the guy who's raping little girls, he thinks that guy's a sinner. No, you're a sinner also just by nature of being in this earth. You're lying. You're a sinner. You're cheating on your wife. You're a sinner. You're not paying your taxes. You're a sinner. You're raping women in your mind and lust. That's sin. You understand that? You are a sinner. If you have sinned once, you have sinned for eternity and you are separated from God by that sin. You must be born again. You're sinning because you're dead. Don't you understand it? You're apart from the life of God. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. You're watching the news all night long. You are being fed death as opposed to the person that's reading the Bible. Those words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You're being fed life. Do you see the difference? Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that 
believeth. The gospel, it's the only way one can get saved. Jesus loves you. It's nice and it's true, but it doesn't save you. You need the gospel. Man is a sinner. Man is destined for an eternity apart from God. Jesus went to hell to deliver man from his sin by taking his punishment in his place. Those of you who acknowledge that and recognize that Christ is the only Messiah, the only Savior, will live in eternity with the family of God and with God himself. Hallelujah. Read that verse again. The gospel doesn't contain the power of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel doesn't contain the power of God whereby one can get saved. The gospel is the power of God whereby one can get saved. When one defiles or profanes the gospel with his own leaven, his own thinking, his own understanding, his own words, I don't want to offend anybody, I'm going to water this down a little bit. That's leaven. The power that can lead people to salvation is destroyed. The gospel must remain pure. It must remain unchanged for it to accomplish its goals. The goal of the gospel is to win people, to save them from hell. It's why I and countless others must call out by name false teachers. It has nothing to do with jealousy or name building. Christ could call them out and so would Peter and Paul. Well, none of them are here, so that leaves it up to people like me to tell you who they are so they don't steal your soul. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. Contrast that with the flesh profits nothing. When you go to a church that's word-based, that has all these classes instead of the Holy Spirit of God, can you see it? It doesn't matter how rich or how famous one may be, when they substitute their words and their beliefs and their doctrines for God's word, they remove the life that's in the word and replace it with man's word, which is nothing. Do you see that? Christ's words, Christ's gospel has life inherent in it. Man's words are empty. They are worthless. They can't do anything for you. I don't care if it's such well-known preachers as uh, Jesse Duplantis, Joseph Prince, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Jerry Savelle, or whoever. The gospel, the words of Jesus are sacred, and they are holy, and they are full of life for you. Carnally-minded preachers don't bring life. They preach death. So, the only way to bring life back into the church of the living God is by what? Preaching the word. I'm going to read this one more time. The words that I speak, says Jesus, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You must go to a church that is preaching the word of God. There are many ways to know God and they all begin by knowing his word. You'll not get around that. Another way, though, that we get to know God is through his judgments, by sharing his suffering, by praying, and above all, by obeying his word. That's how we get to know him. Remember at the judgment, Jesus talked about the fact, I'm going to say to you, depart from me. Why? Because I never knew you. The way we build a relationship with Jesus Christ is through his word. The way that we build intimacy with Jesus Christ is through obedience to that word. The Bible talks about James, but be ye not hearers of the word only, but be ye doers of the word of God. The Bible talks about the fact that he that, James says this in the next verse, he that hears the word only, but doesn't do the word, he deceives himself. You know, guys, there's enough stuff out there that deceives us. The last thing we need to do is being deceiving ourselves. I mean, that's ignorance before daylight. 
You've got to make sure that the Word of God in your life is something that you obey. It's how God reveals himself to you. Depart from me, I never knew you. You are here in this earth, and if you think you're saved, and if you say you're saved, and if you responded to an altar call sometimes, or got baptized and confirmed as a little kid, if you have not built a relationship with God through the Word of God, through obeying the Word of God, have created an intimate relationship with the Savior of all mankind, then guess what? He doesn't know you, and you will miss out on spending eternity with the family of God. I'm going to pray. Father God, I lift up the people that are in the sound of my voice, Lord, and I pray for their souls. I pray, Father God, not that they would be happy, that they would be rich, Father God. I pray, Father God, that they would be holy, that they would come to know you and the power of your resurrection, that they would share in the fellowship of your suffering, Father God. I pray that you would win them, you would woo them, you would wow them, you would wonder them when their minds are shut down, when their bodies are at rest. Call them, Father God. Summon them, Father. Call them to repentance. I pray that you would send repentance to our nation. I pray that you would send repentance to our churches, Father, in the name of Jesus, and draw them. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit of God draw them. Father God, forgive us our sins. Cleanse us, Father God. Keep us, Father God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.